decide to ask so many questions, especially technical things that I need for drawing. Frame values or the camera movements or if we have VFX in the scene. This is The Cinema Show on Monocle 24. Coming up, we'll sit down with Pedro Almodovar's storyboard artist of choice to discover more about the often hidden art form. Also ahead. These hundreds of names in the credits mm. and then you're ready and then no, there's one name we forgot. We have to put it on the 23rd position and you have to do everything new because it has to look mm. perfect. Austrian artist Matthias van Baren guides us through the delicate process of translating a motion picture into an eye-catching poster and our approach is just to think about what we're most passionate about and hope that they appeal to everybody and they normally do just in time for your christmas shopping list editor paul duncan will give us a lesson in creating beautiful large-scale film books for publishing house tashin that's all to come on the cinema show on monocle 24. When we think of memorable moments in the movies, we might recall a trench coat clad Humphrey Bogart farewelling a tearful Ingrid Bergman in Casablanca, a screaming Marion Crane in the shower of Alfred Hitchcock's Psycho, or Superman swooping up the side of the Daily Planet to catch a falling Lois Lane in one hand and a helicopter in the other. Hello and welcome to The Cinema Show, I'm Ben Ryland. Now, while a director's job might be to wow us in a darkened theatre, the job of getting us there in the first place is often up to the poster designer. Not only must a good poster exhibit thoughtful design, it must also communicate the film's complexities in the form of a quick, digestible graphic. Monocle's Alexei Korolov sits down with the Austrian filmmaker and graphic designer Matthias van Baren. Fett ist ja auch Anarchie. Ja. Sich so anzufressen ist ja auch ein Statement für diese Gesellschaft. This was one of the first um, really work I did for someone else. And okay, and this has nothing to do with the Chancellor. No, <laughs> no it's about a documentary about Peter Karen, a director, a film director. It sounds, sounds like a, a thriller. It's a, a horror movie, horror movie. And, and this was a wish by the directors. We did a lot of drafts before and then they said, now let's try something with illustrations, with this 60s style. Um, mm. yeah. The filmmakers have time for 24 pictures in the, in the second and I have one picture for the whole what's, what's to say. Not good. Um, this was nice. Um, Sometimes you have to do a poster for the festivals mm -hmm. and afterwards you have to do a new poster for the start in the cinemas. And this was a poster series of a documentary about the couple who are married for, I think, 40 years or 50 years. I made two posters. Um, wife and husband. Yeah. Wife and husband. And 
I told them to put them in the cinemas with something between. So mm. that's the, the struggle of the couple is also... Uh, yeah. And then we did a poster for the cinema start, only one poster. And and then there are also, yeah, these little problems of the graphic designer for films are these hundreds of names in the credits. Mm. And then you're ready. And then, no, there's one name we, we forgot. We have to put it on the 23rd position and you have to do everything new because it has to look mm. perfect. And the awards uh, and everything, it's decisions for the last second yeah so then you know you get a commission for a film how do you go about it i mean how do you choose the the atmosphere the aesthetics uh, it's the other way around mainly the, the director asks if i'm interested in in helping him uh, or her and there's a film and there's time pressure because there is the premiere in three weeks and they need a poster and sometimes the director has a very precise image and he wants to do that or this and and he exactly knows where he wants to go but he needs someone who helps him mm. that's the one position and the other position is the have no idea how it has to look so these are the two options for me to start my work and i always try to figure out what the mood of the film. So that's important for me, not exactly which actor or actress is in it. It's, it's about a mood and how we can create a package. Uh, on the one hand, you are a really an unimportant part of the film because you're not the camera guy, you are not the actor, you are not the, the editor or the sound guy. Graphic design is really the even in the timeline, the last thing to do. So in many ways, you really have a very limited choice. In many ways, yeah. Sometimes they, they say, okay, I trust you, do something. Sometimes. But then when they saw it, they said, oh yeah, that's nice, but, but maybe we do something different. And say, okay. These are the normal problems, like always with graphic designer and the client. But in this case, it's a little bit different because the director, this is his or her film that's like her baby and he wants to have the best it's like you are the, um, the hairdresser for the baby so it's not really important but he wants you to have the best haircut for the baby and mm. you yeah you have to be careful you have to try to think like the director and the other thing is which is really interesting they want to put information into the poster but the information you can put into the poster is limited, I think. If you walk on the street and see some posters of the new movies, you look at these posters for one second, two seconds, and then they're gone. So you have to do something special or something... Eye-catching. Eye-catching or mind-catching in some way. So that maybe two weeks later you have a dinner with friends and do you know the new film by blah, blah, blah? And you say, no, no. And they name a title and say, ah, I saw there something. Um, this is the only thing a poster can do. This is the greatest success of a poster, I think. But of course, it's a whole package. I do also then the advertising for the film, the graphic design for the advertising. I help the, the guy who does the internet stuff for mm -hmm. the film. And so I try to do a very, on the one hand, a very unique work. But on the other hand, it has to be right 
it has to be um, no wrong promises. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting, you were saying earlier that um, there are basically sort of two options and two ways that you can go down. One is when the director has an idea, a vague idea already of what they want. And the second is when they just say, I trust you. Yeah. Which one do you prefer? I think the best way is, is a mixture, a mixture between they have an idea and they trust me to work by myself on his or her idea. Mm. Personally, I have to say, till now, I've never been 100% happy with a poster I did. Uh, I, I think um, good graphic design can make you think about images. And if you think about images, it's good for going to the movies, to put it in a bad English. Alexei Korolov with Austrian filmmaker and graphic artist Matthias van Baren. Still to come, we'll find out how book publisher Taschen captures the magic of cinema in the pages of some of the very best large-scale volumes. And we'll sit down with the storyboarder artist behind the films of Pedro Almodovar. But first, a quick word from the news desk. The National Board of Review has unveiled its list of winners at a ceremony hosted by NBC News alumni Willie Geist. Fittingly enough, the top honour went to The Post, the new film from Steven Spielberg starring Meryl Streep opposite Tom Hanks. The story recalls the saga involving the Pentagon Papers, classified information which exposed a US government cover-up surrounding the Vietnam War. Reporting on the matter by the Washington Post is often considered one of the finest examples of newspaper journalism, and some are now questioning whether similar reporting would have quite the same impact in today's distrustful climate. And Studio Ghibli has appointed a new CEO as it prepares to produce the last film by anime legend Hayao Miyazaki. Kiyofumi Nakajima is a former banker who first joined the studio when it was part of the bank for which he worked. Work on Studio Ghibli's next film titled How Do You Live officially began in October. This is The Cinema Show. Stay tuned. Publishing house Tashin has created some of the world's most beautiful large-scale coffee table books. Their archives series are particularly popular, compiling the work of cinematic legends such as Charlie Chaplin, Walt Disney and Pedro Almodovar into brilliantly bound visual masterpieces. But how does the work of a motion picture extraordinaire transform into a compelling page-turning print volume? I sat down with Tashin editor Paul Duncan. My approach is not to think of it as specifically for a film scholar or film devotee. It's for everybody. The books are for everybody. So we try to pick the subjects that will appeal to everybody, like The Godfather or Taxi Driver or James Bond. But also we try to pick subjects that we are passionate about, like Ingmar Bergman or Pedro Almodovar. So really, our approach is just to think about what we're most passionate about and hope that they appeal to everybody, and they normally do. So what are some of the favourite or maybe some of the titles you've worked on that really stick out to you for some reason? The Charlie Chaplin archives book, which I did, I was very surprised by that because I'd grown up with Charlie Chaplin and Harold Lloyd and Laurel and Hardy and all those. They're part of my childhood and... Funnily enough, Charlie Chaplin, my dad used to emulate some of the things that Chaplin did. So that had a certain connection to me. But many of the things I'd read about Chaplin, I'd found to be 
you know, perhaps he wasn't that nice. You know, he was a bit dictatorial, etc., and not very cooperative. But in the investigation of the archives, all the archives, the paper archives as well as the photographic archives, I found that was actually somebody who was far more complicated and somebody I could really relate to. And it was actually a far nicer person than I first imagined. If you imagine I'm spending two, three years with some of these projects. So when you live with some for that amount of time, you get to almost live with the subject. And that can have a, you know, you've got to like it. You've got to find something in it they really like. And you've also got to find a story within the book. So that one I found full of revelations about his life and his approach to life and his humanity and really how brave and courageous he was. Those were the things that surprised me about doing the book and also finding all this wonderful material previously unpublished, things that he'd written and interviews, etc. And that relates also to some of the other books like The Godfather Family Album. That's a photographic book by Steve Shapiro and Steve was uh, great. He gave us complete access to all his materials that he'd taken on the set. And that was one of those iconic film trilogies that I'd always loved. And so it was great to find out how it was made and the camaraderie there was between the, the people involved during the making of it. So it's always an investigation for James Bond. The thing I found most interesting and the storyline or the story hook for that was the fact that the more I investigated, the more I realised it was a family affair. Even though the films were about this sort of lone wolf spy, James Bond, going out and doing it on his own, to actually make those stories, there's a family of filmmakers in all the different arts and crafts of the filmmaking uh, process. And these were generations of filmmakers over the 50 years. So, so I thought, well, yes, it's all about family. And so the the storyline, my private storyline or thread that I used when I'm making the book was to say, well, I want to include as many voices from that family in, in the book. So it became an oral history of over 150 people telling the story of how they made those movies. So with each book, there's a different story or idea that, that comes to fruition as you're making the, the book. People make books, write stories about films and filmmakers all the time. Quite often that falls into the category of a biography of some kind. We, sure. People who want to know, they might, they might love Charlie Chaplin movies and then they want to know about the person, so they might read a biography and then realise all these unfortunate facts about his life. Whereas Tashin's books aren't really about, well, aren't often about getting into the nitty-gritty and maybe darker side of the actual lives. It's more of a, a celebration of that person's work, career and art. Is that perhaps a strength to the books that you can actually leave aside those private details that we might not necessarily want to know about and celebrate the myth of a person? You know, the, the parts about Charlie Chaplin and everything that he contributed to the artistic world as something to be celebrated. Sure. Well, the celebration is there. I mean, we, we have a positive attitude to the filmmaking process. We want to know how it was done. And you can see Chaplin inventing things off the hoof as he's inventing gags. And that sort of process, how the mind works, is fascinating. We all want to know what the other person is thinking because that's the one thing we can't see. 
And so we tried to get those across in the books. But there's no denial of things that happened in Chaplin's life or anybody else's life in the books that we cover. Perhaps we present the facts as they're presented and all the information that we don't make a judgment when we make the books. So we don't make a value judgment when we write it. What we do is we put down the fact as stated. So for the things that happened to Chaplin, we just stated it. And we have his point of view. The people who are actually there, we have their points of view. We don't deny it or we don't cover it up. And it's up to the reader as they go through the book and read the text to decide what they think. We don't dictate to people what they may think. We just present the information. Are there any parts of filmmaking history or sectors of the film world that are quite precious to you that you've always wanted or always always thought would make an amazing book and you'd just love to work on one day but haven't quite get, got there just yet? Oh, there are always. There are a million subjects. I mean, I grew up watching Film 4 in the UK used to show series of film festivals. So you would have the Film Noir series of films and I love film noir and I've done various books on that and that's great Hitchcock is another one and Kurosawa I adore and Fritz Lang you know and then there are filmmakers as I've grown up I've developed a love for Bresson Antonioni which who I was looking enough to meet and do a book on so there is always something new we live in a I think a golden age of, of cinema where there's so much great cinema being made around the world and I really want, want to investigate it all, both the present, the past and the future, hopefully. Tashin editor Paul Duncan there. Up next, we'll speak to Pedro Almodovar's storyboard artist of choice, Pablo Baratti. Stay tuned. Murder in Picot garnered rave reviews when it opened at New York's Film Society of Lincoln Center in 2014. The fictional extension of the themes explored in the documentary Fatal Assistance is the work of filmmaker Raoul Peck, the man behind the Academy Award-nominated film I Am Not Your Negro. It's one of the films playing on movie right now alongside the excellent 1997 title L.A. Confidential and a double bill dedicated to Nicholas Ray, Knock on Any Door and Bitter Victory. Mubi is the curated movie site of cult, classic and award-winning films. Sample a month of movies for free. Head over to mubi.com slash monocle. That is M-U-B-I slash monocle. When it comes to storyboarding a film, Pablo Baratti is Spain's go-to man. But Baratti didn't always want to be an illustrator, and he's not even Spanish. The Argentinian studied film production, and while working as a runner, realised that he was drawn to a more creatively stimulating role. Fast forward a few years, and he now sketches the mental imagery for visionary directors such as Pedro Almodovar, J.A. Bayona, and even Terry Gilliam for his long-plagued Don Quixote film. Our Madrid correspondent Liam Aldous paid a visit to Barati in his studio to talk about how he manages to visualise the imaginings of some of Celluloid's greatest directors. You'd been working a few years in Spain, but then you got a phone call from a line producer for a job uh, in 2009. 
Yeah, but it wasn't like that. It was oh, okay. I was working. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't exactly like that. I was. You didn't get kidnapped and put <laughs> in the I was based in Madrid. I was working here in commercial and some movies, doing making some movies. The line production from El Deseo, the Almodovar company, uh, called me for the to work with him with Pedro Almodovar in the Broken Embraces. And that surprised me a lot because uh, Almodovar for me, to me, wasn't the kind of director that would use a storyboard for his films. It was very tricky in that moment because he wasn't, he wasn't real comfortable to uh, work with somebody who has to tell uh, well in advance uh, what he's going to shoot, no? especially to a stranger, a person like me at the moment. Because he hadn't really used storyboards or storyboard artists in his previous films very much either. So I guess there was a bit of, was there a bit of friction working with him at the start? Did you really have to kind of convince him of the, the value of having storyboards? Maybe he was kind of reluctant about the idea to, to work with the storyboard artist. The producer wanted him and him to, to do that work, to start working with with me in the in especially in one scene that was a car, a car accident then they have just one car for the for the scene so they had to be very careful about the way they're going to they went to film that that scene Mateo Mateo dime algo Mateo ha muerto Judith What the process was that we had the um, like a simulation day. We went there with the the cinematographer and the VFX people. So they planned the accident very very close to the real shot. So once being there and talking with Pedro, and there was easier, much easier to understand how we have to frame that scene to be very clear about what we want, what we need for, you know, show the accident in the, in the best way possible. Almodovar emphasizes a lot of the human drama and the, the work with the actors and the atmosphere of the scene. So with his first assistant and I, we try to, you know, to request, to ask uh, so many questions about especially technical things that I need for drawing, uh, about the frame values or the camera movements or the, or, or no, maybe the, you know, if we have VFX in the scene, we interact with him in that way, just asking, asking, asking all the info, all the information that we are missing when he's talking. And there was a lot of pressure as well because one of the cameras was in the car that you, the only car that you were going to crash. And so if you didn't plan it well, I mean, you could have had a broken car and a broken camera. But that is not my pressure. <laughs> it's other other people's stuff. But yeah, yes, they need to to do it at once at the first one one shot. So we need to prepare that that shot very very carefully. Which shows the importance of, of planning ahead, not just coming on set and improvising on the day. You really yeah, need you to know, have a plan. With, with the drawings on, in the hands, it's like very easy to understand if the scene is going to work or not. 
because if not, they don't have a second chance to do it. So that, that's one of the reasons I guess that they needed, he needed to use a storyboard for the first time in his life for that movie. And then we continue working in the rest, in the last four films from, by him. Have you noticed uh, a change in uh, how happy and open he is now to storyboarding? I mean, has he embraced uh, the art of storyboarding? The first one to the last yeah, yeah. one to Julieta, yes. The amount of the scene that's changed a lot. Uh, we are we are very pretty close to to storyboard the whole the complete book someday, the complete the whole script someday. <laughs> uh, close to that, I guess. No sé de qué habéis hablado todos estos días. Pero yo sí sé lo que no os he contado en todos estos años. You also worked with uh, one of Spain's great kind of epic spectacle directors, J.A. Bayona, who's <laughs> uh, worked on, or well, you worked on The Impossible. Yeah. Uh, and he's a director who's also uh, working on the upcoming Jurassic World sequel. Yeah. So he's, uh, he's no stranger to special effects. What was it like working with that kind of director in comparison to a more a human drama director like Almodovar? Is there, is there a big difference in the workload and in the approach? Yes, it was, was uh, pretty different uh, because, you know, I've I seen this kind of directors like Bajona or Amenabar or the kind of people that think, uh, prepare the scenes with more technical concepts involved in the in his in in their minds you know so you don't have to ask ask a lot to them about that kind of things we're talking about another generation of directors so the the technology is very very present in their way of shoot, of shooting so when i was working in the impossible with bayona we were six uh, storyboard artists, but we were working uh, the in individual way. We are not. We were. We were not working together like a team or a storyboard team. We prepare some sketches, then we send back the sketches to to him. He correct them, and then we prepare the the final boards. So it was very intensive working process. How long does it actually take to storyboard a film from that first meeting with the director to the delivery of, of the storyboards? I mean, I mean, obviously every film is different, but... Yeah, but it depends, you said. It depends a lot of the director, or it depends a lot of the kind of film that we're talking about. It's not the same to draw, uh, to storyboard an action film that, uh, you know, comedy or drama, because it requires different different things if you were you are going to use a lot of vfx in the in the scenes you have to be very precise uh, with the drawings and you have to take more time so but normally you know, a whole a whole script it will takes around about four months one of my last films that was a big production in china we were two storyboard artists working together and it, it took 11 months. That's a big fantasy epic, I hear. Yeah, that's the kind of film that takes longer. <laughs> 
Buenas tardes, señoras y señores pasajeros. Les habla José Ravera Sateri, sobrecargo del vuelo 2549 de la compañía Península con destino a México DF. Is there also some kind of art or skill involved in creating a synergy of, of understanding between the storyboard artist and the director? Do you kind of have to read his mind in a way of how he wants to see the movie? Is that kind of the skill? I think there's two kinds of storyboard artists. Ones who came from the, the comic world or the illustration world and people like me that came from the, you know, the cinema schools or, you know, the, the, the cinema industry in some way. So uh, we are not doing just illustration. We are translating from the, the director's mind to the drawings, what the way he sings, really. No? You have to translate, okay, you have to translate from what he's saying what is he really trying to say to everyone the, in the and, film? And what is possible, I imagine. You can do a very really nice illustration, but it's not possible to shoot it. It's, it's not a good work. Liam Aldous with Spain's storyboard extraordinaire, Pablo Barati. That's all for this week's program. Next week, we're taking a Roman holiday to find out what the city's film festival is really all about. Today's show was edited and mixed by Christy Evans and researched by Yolin Goffan. The Cinema Show is back next week. I'm Ben Ryland. Thank you for listening.